Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Thank God we can gather together among others of like precious faith and we can glean light from each other. Iron can sharpen iron. We sharpen the countenance of our friends. Amen. Amen. You know, last week we talked about the five different uh, perspectives when it comes to the communion, the Lord's table, how it's important to recognize all five of them so that we could reverently celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper. And first, there's that upward look. He's the bread of life that came down from heaven. There's the backward look where he sacrificed his life and shed his blood and his broken body on Calvary's cross. There's the inward look, praise God, inward. Examine yourself to be certain that you're walking in fellowship with the Lord and so on. And it's a matter of life and death because he said, for this reason, many are weak, sick and die prematurely because they don't examine themselves and look inwardly, uh, not discerning the Lord's body. And then there's the outward look. And that's what I wanted to get to, the outward look right here, the outward look. We need each other. We belong to the family of God. And we all need each other. And each one to take his or her place. Uh, you didn't, did anybody leave your ear home this morning? Did you bring your leg with you this morning? So we need one another. And then there's, of course, the forward look. We celebrate this until what? He comes. Until he comes. And so those are the five looks of it. And so it's important we recognize that so that we can honor him and reverence him, even with something such as the Lord's Supper, which is absolutely wonderful. Amen. Today we're going to look at uh, developing a strong spirit. But first, let's pray. Have our children been dismissed? Are they gone? All right. Father, we thank you for this time together to study your word, and we do so in the precious name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that your word is not just intellectually learned or perceived, but is spiritually discerned. We ask that you change us by what we hear this morning from glory to glory, that we could conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he has apprehended us. Give us hearts that are open to receive the instructional teaching of your word. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and causing my tongue to be as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim truth with power and demonstration to penetrate our souls and challenge each and every one of us to rise up to higher places in you. And for all this, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Well, before we look at our notes here for a moment, how many of you remember the story of Jonah and the city of Nineveh? Three of you remember that story. You really remember that story about Jonah and the city of Nineveh? Yeah, well, in the book of Nahum, in chapter 3 and verse 1, we are told that the city of Nineveh is a bloody city. A bloody city. It's the city of the world. It's the city of the devil. And it was a bloody city. Of course, there's the city of God, too. And Jonah was supposed to be the one who represents the city of God. 
And he was told to go to them and explain to them that God was going to bring judgment upon them and show them mercy if they would just repent and get forgiveness, right? But how many of you know that there was something lacking in Jonah? He was a fishy guy. He always got himself into a well of a problem, deep problem, right? You know him, right? Yeah. (laughs) And he ran from God. And even though he was a prophet of God, he really wasn't strong in spirit where he needed to be. You realize that? Because, you see, he looked at it from his own perspective, what he wanted, the city of self, not the city of God. This is what I would like to have happen. And what was the matter with him? Well, let me explain to you a little bit about the city of Nineveh. They were called a bloody city and a bloody people for a reason. Because when they captured, they say, people in wartime, and basically, they didn't even need to have war. They would go from city to city and just bring captives to their place. And what they would do was they would torture them even before they killed them. They would take boys and girls and just burn them alive. They would skin people alive. They would do things like amputate their arms, their legs, before they kill them. When I read this one thing, it just causes you to cringe. They would, um, the best way to say it is to impale them. Almost like a skewer. Hard to even imagine just how evil these people were. And when I think about what's taking place right now in Israel with Hamas and Hezbollah, you think about these things. And, you know, we think it couldn't get any worse than than it is today. But I go back and reflect upon what was taking place back then. And here's what you see. Here we have a group of people that hates the Jews. You talk about anti-Semitism. They hated the Jews so badly that even these people, supposedly the people of God, were treated this way. And we see that taking place through all of history, all of Israel's history. They were a people that were godless. They were violent. They were bloodthirsty. They were involved in idolatry. They were involved in sorcery, witchcraft, prostitution, sexual immorality. They were so cruel that in the book of Nahum, chapter 3 and verse 19, and I wrote this down so we can all hear it. This is from the NIV version. Nothing can heal you. Your wound is fatal. All who hear the news about you clap their hands at your fall. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? That was Nineveh. City of the world, city of the devil. Jonah, representing the city of God, went in the other direction. Why? He didn't get it. He didn't get the memo. God loves all people groups of the world. No matter who they are or how evil they are. God loves all people of the world. And we could learn from the situation something that Jonah should have learned. He wants to forgive everyone. He wants to show mercy to everyone. 
He wants everyone to come to the cross. He wants all men to be saved. He wants to extend mercy before judgment. And aren't you glad that even though you and I were not engaged in such atrocities, that sin is sin no matter what. And every single one of us needs saved by the same grace and the same blood of Jesus that they need. When we prayed on Wednesday for Israel, we also prayed for these people to come to know Christ. Because you see, that's what it's all about. So look what it took for him to go from a cowering spirit and not go before these people and tell them what God wanted them to know. Why? Because he had his own agenda. He wanted justice. He wanted judgment. He wanted them destroyed. Could have been maybe some of his family members were skinned alive. I don't know. But he knew how awful they were. He knew how cruel they were. And how they had no regard for human life whatsoever. And so what does he do? He gets himself a one-way ticket to Tarshish. And he's going to get away from it all. So God could judge the people and have his will accomplished in their lives. Look what it took to get Jonah turned around. And if you read the story and read some of the commentaries, some think that he actually died in the belly of that great fish. Some believe he descended into the bowels of the earth and possibly had a taste of hell. But then he cried out to God for mercy. What a story. He didn't want them shown mercy, but he himself was crying out for mercy. And he wanted the mercy of God at that time. And so finally God has the great fish spew him out on the land. And he pulls himself together. And then he goes and he does what he was told to do in the first place. You see, God has an agenda and we have an agenda. Aren't you glad that you aren't God? Because when you see all these horrific happenings taking place in our society today, we are quick and swift to judge and want people to be destroyed. That means there's something wrong within. God always provides mercy before judgment. And you know what? We all need his mercy every single day of our lives. We all do. Imagine it. So I said all that to tell us that even as Jonah needed to have a little bit of work done on his spiritual condition, so do we. And I wanted to explain some things I think that'll be helpful. To develop a strong spirit is to really guarantee our success in life. Look at Proverbs 18 and verse 14. This is from the Amplified Bible. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. The spirit of a man can be made strong or it can be made weak and broken, which is why the enemy wants to target our spiritual condition. Why? To keep us spiritually weak. If he can do that, he could basically run all over our lives, destroy us, control us, rule us, etc. It's the strong spirit of a man that will rise up and stand against these forces of evil that try to come against us to destroy us. For example, let's just say 
condemnation or guilt. Anybody ever be impacted by that one time in your life since you become a Christian? A little bit of sin consciousness maybe or inferiority or something like that. Maybe you did something wrong and maybe you've done it more than once and you get to a place to where you're kind of down on yourself and you think that God's down on you as well. Those are called diseases of the spirit. Well, the enemy wants to control our faith life because to be strong in the Lord is to be strong in faith and also in power. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Notice, not in your own strength, not in your own ability, not in your own resources, not because of your finances, not because of anything else other than what Christ has done in you, the hope of glory. We're to be strong in faith as Abraham was eventually. But you ever notice that before he got strong in faith, he wasn't strong in faith? Did you notice that he and Sarah planned the plan to do, uh, do their own thing, to come up with a child other than Sarah having a baby called Isaac? They had Ishmael through Hagar, remember? Called the work of the what? Work of the flesh. Right. So along the way, we realize there's going to be challenges. And the enemy is going to challenge us as we on this end are waiting for God's divine intervention or for whatever his plan is to unfold. And he comes along and just makes us look at yourself. And brings guilt, condemnation, inferiority, sin consciousness, etc., etc. I've got news for all of us. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation to the one that's in Christ Jesus who walks not after the flesh but after the spirit. For there's a higher law, that of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that liberates us from the law of sin and death. Thank God that on the inside of us, God is working a mighty work. And he wants to continue to do so in a powerful and glorious way. But what's important is for us to understand how this process works. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. One scripture that really impacted my life when I first came to Christ. Powerful verse. And the very God of peace sanctify you. Notice the word holy, completely or entirely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul is defining to us the triunity of man. Man is not a body. Man is a spirit. Man has a soul. And man lives in a body. So these three parts really constitute what man is. So it's important that we realize that we're not physical beings only. We are spirit beings. We are intellectual beings, emotional beings, and physical beings. All three realms touch all three realms that we live in. The spiritual realm, the emotional and intellectual realm, and the physical realm. All three of them. When a person's body dies, the, the body is left behind here upon the earth while the spirit and the soul of that person go to be with the Lord. That's why there's so much confusion in so many people's lives. When I grew up in church, I never knew what happened to the person that was in the casket. It sounded like they were just either in the grave somewhere or hanging around somewhere. Had no clue. Because I didn't know the Bible. Well, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, obviously the body's not present with the Lord. It's the spirit and soul that's present with the Lord, not the body. Paul called the body the tent that we live in. It's like an earth suit, like an astronaut has a space suit. If you could say it this way, 
you understand it better. The spirit of man was made in the likeness and image of Almighty God. For man is a spirit being just like God. His soul, mind, will, emotions, and intellect. That's his soulless realm. Contact that realm. His physical body contacts this realm. Thank God we have a body. If we didn't have a body, you couldn't stay here on this earth. You'd be departed. And one of two places would be our destination. One would be heaven and the other one would be hell. We don't want to candy coat that, right? We want the truth to be told, don't we? So when a person leaves this realm of life, there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus taught when he was here upon this earth. So like some that think that when you die, you're just annihilated or you, don't ex you cease to exist, you don't exist anymore. That's not true. Jesus never taught that. You're very much alive, but you're in another place. We're living in the land of the dying. and When we die, we go to the land of the living, where we will live throughout eternity in one place or another. One is a place of comfort and one of discomfort. And that's taking it lightly to say discomfort. This body of ours is like the clothing that we wear. It is to the body what the body is to the spirit. And like I said, like an astronaut, when, a, when an astronaut goes up into space, he has this spacesuit on. That's, that's not the real him. When he comes back, he takes it off. Well, Paul was saying, when I leave this tent that I'm living in right now, I'm going to go be with the Lord. I'm going to leave my body behind. But God has a great plan for that body. Thank, thank God Almighty, it doesn't cease to exist. One day when he comes in the clouds and the graves are open and the dead in Christ will rise, we that are alive will be caught up and changed and we're going to meet them in the air. There will be a glorified body that we all have and that same body that you lived in when you were on this earth will be the same body, but in a perfected, glorified state. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. So we'll recognize each other. We'll know each other. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. The fall affected all three parts of man's being. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The fall affected all three parts of man's being. His spirit was separated from God. His soul lost the knowledge of God. His body became mortal or subject to death. It wasn't that way in the beginning. Anybody here want to take it up with Adam? A couple of you do. You want to give him a piece of your unrenewed mind when you get there? If he's there in glory? What were you thinking? He blamed the woman. The woman blamed the devil. No one wants to blame themselves. But all, think about it. One man created this mess that we're living in. Were you there? Did you have anything to do with it? Did you rebel against God? He's the figure representative for the entire human race. And on one bad decision or choice that he made... He ushered us into this realm in which we live that's governed by the works and rulers of darkness. But aren't you glad he didn't want to leave us in that state? Aren't you glad he had a plan for us? Aren't you glad that Jesus agreed to come to the earth? For as by one man, Adam, death came upon all men. 
Hallelujah. Get your shouting clothes on. By one man. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. By one man, the second Adam or the last Adam came resurrection life. Let's read it. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life giving spirit. Look at verses 21 and 22. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. You notice he didn't say everyone who comes to Christ will go to church. Didn't say that, did he? Everyone who comes to Christ will become religious. Didn't say that, did he? No, anyone who comes to Christ will experience life. Just as in Adam you experience death from this one pool of blood, everyone dies. Book of Acts tells us all mankind from every people group of the world, they, were all, they came from one pool of blood. There's another pool of blood over here. Hallelujah. There's a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. They pass from death over to life and they have resurrection life in their spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. See, all three parts of man needed to be dealt with. They needed to be rescued and saved. So the spirit of man can be born again. And pass from death to life. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of his sacrificial death. The soul of man, once again, can be renewed to the word of God. He restores my soul. And the body of man will be glorified, but not while you're here on earth. And that's the only thing we got to recognize. But we're crying out and groaning out for that. Aren't you groaning out for that even now? As you see the day approaching. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 3. How do I develop a strong spirit? How do I get a strong spirit? It starts right here. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say to you, Except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily. Notice the double verilies he's using here. I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Not marvel not that I said to thee, you must be born again. The first step, praise God, to developing a strong spirit is to give your life to Christ. And when he comes in by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will remove from you the stony heart and put within you and me, all of us, a brand new heart, a brand new life. Praise God. That's like unto his in John's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 24, this is what takes place when you're born again. I'm not just talking about saying a sinner's prayer and you don't really mean it from the heart. And I've prayed with people that way. I had someone tell me after I was around him for a certain length of time. And I said to him, have you really accepted Christ from your heart? Were you born again when you prayed that prayer with me? Or were you just trying to satisfy someone else who wanted you to be born again? He said the latter. I just did it because someone wanted me to do it. I said, you thought you were pulling the wool over my eyes? You don't pull the wool over God's eyes. You're not born again. 
He didn't pass from death to life. In John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, once again, the double verily, I, that means I'm emphatically saying this to you. He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed, passed from death to life. Hallelujah. You see, when I got born again, I know I passed from death to life. I did not become religious. I had a re real reality relationship with the Father. I knew it happened to me. Something changed on the inside. All those changes that took place on the inside began to manifest on the outside. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to listen to programs about the things of God. Whereas before, when I was religious, none of that mattered to me. So you see, I may have been in church five days a week, sometimes six days a week, but I was not born again. I didn't have the life and nature of God in me. But to have a strong spirit, you've got to be born of the spirit. And when he comes in, I'll tell you what, he's going to clean you up. Amen. Look in the, in the Bible here in 1 Peter 1, 23. This is how it works. You ready for this? The devil doesn't mind if you go to a church that doesn't preach the word. You know why? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. He doesn't want you to hear the word of God. You can sit in church and be as religious as you want. You've got to be born again by the word of God. You've got to hear the gospel message. You've got to believe the gospel message. You have to embrace the gospel message and invite him to come into your heart, into your life and lay it all down at the cross and just say, I'm yours. I'm serving you with my life. And when you are that serious with God, God will be that serious with you. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he will enter into your spirit and take the seed of God's word and you'll pass from death to life. Look here in James chapter one and verse 18. Of his own will beget he us. Anybody here? Were you anybody here ever been born? You know, your mom who gave birth to you. Right. You were born, right? Yeah. Of corruptible seed, not incorruptible seed. You were born of corruptible seed. OK, so your mom gave birth to you and your being here is evidence of that. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth. Who is he talking about? The father of lights from whom all things come of his own will. He gave birth to you that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He gave birth to you. He gave birth to me. If that doesn't excite you, get a new exciter. He gave birth to you as an act of his will. He wanted you to be part of his family. He adopted you into his family. He birthed you into his family because you're special to him. He cares about you. He saw you. How? In death. On your way to Eternal separation and damnation. He said, uh-uh, I don't want that for her. I don't want that for him. Call upon me, please. Call upon my name. Please call out to me. And so you cried out one day, and when he heard your cry, he sent the Holy Ghost down into your spirit being and brought you out of the realms of darkness into the life of his kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. When that happens, changes take place in a person's life. Oh, you've got the life of God. You've got God working in you now, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know what that means? You delight yourself for the Lord. He'll make new desires in you, the desires 
of your heart will come from Him. You'll want what He wants in your life. See, it's a literal birth that takes place. You're a child of God. Look at this next statement here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is from the Amplified Bible. There's different translations I like to use. Therefore, if any, any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. Did you get that? You're a new creature altogether. See, sometimes I don't think these things impact us like they should. Let's, let's read on, then I'll explain. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Just as God breathed into the nostrils of the body he made Adam, the breath of life, he became a living soul. You see, he had to undo what he did. When you said yes to him, he came in and breathed life into your spirit so that you are no longer identified in Adam. You are identified with Christ. A new creation. Adam's the old creation. You are the new creation. Everything in your spirit being has passed away and all things become new. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. A new creature. One says a new species that never before existed. You see, what we need to really do is get educated on the finished work of Christ and see the impact that it really has in the life of a person. We sit back and we toy with some of these things like guilt, condemnation, inferiority, and consciousness and all that. And he wants to look at you and just say, wake up. <laughs> wake up. I put my life in you. I put my nature in you. I put my love in you. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness. I imparted into your being. Stop talking about who you were and stop talking about who you are. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John. This, is, this was my acid test right here. Look at 1 John chapter 3. This is just from the King James. We know. Someone says, how do I know I pass from death to life? Well, we know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Did you get that? You realize that you, don't, you lose the capacity to hate when you come to know the love of God. They can be as evil as all these Ninevites were. You realize that? They were awful, evil, godless people. But you know what? God still loved them. And Jonah was like, man, are you crazy? Zap them. Kill them. Aren't you glad he's not going to do that to you or to me? Now, anybody here, did you ever commit a sin since you became a born-again Christian? I figured at least one, right? Maybe two? Aren't you glad he doesn't condemn us because of that? Aren't you glad he tolerates us and enables us to grow by taking us by the hand and say, okay, I'll work together with you by my power and we'll get through this thing? Doesn't turn his back on us, does he? No. He, he helps us. He aids us. He assists us. Well, ready for it? Get your sleeves rolled up. Look at Romans chapter 12. Because now... We enter the war zone. 
You ready for the warfare? The battle that we experience? Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is uh, your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The body and soul need dealt with. My spirit came up out of the miry clay. I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, guiltless, without condemnation. The righteousness of God. But guess what? Now, I'm weird. When I was a sinner, my spirit, soul, and body were all in agreement. Not that I ever did this, but go see if you can pilfer that gum from that drugstore. My soul said to do that. Your soul said to do that. And your spirit says, have at it. Spirit, soul, and body were in harmony. Or be mean to that person. What do you think, soul? Uh-huh. What do you think, spirit? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Let her have it. Let him have it. Right? You're in agreement with it. Your spirit got born again. You've got the life of God in you. You've got the nature of God in you. You've got the love of God in you. And the devil says, Go steal that pack of gum. And your spirit rises up in rebellion and says, absolutely not. No, no, no way. Well, I'd engage in that. Why would that thought ever come to my mind? Because your mind's not born again. Your mind needs to be renewed to the word of God. And if we don't have the mind of God, the word of God in our minds, we may aside with the flesh. But your spirit is never in agreement with sin. Did you know that? Your spirit does not agree with sin. But the flesh wants to do its own thing still. So what has to happen with my flesh? Let Paul tell us. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and then also in verse 24. This is from the English Standard Version. But I say walk by the Spirit. And that should be a small s. Because that's not the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that you have in you that's born of the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ, you belong to Christ. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, we want to work toward the goal of creating a strong spiritual condition within our spirit, being a strong spirit. We got some work to do here. Your flesh, my flesh, is not born again. Our soul is not automatically renewed. We are, like I said, weird. The spirit is born again, but these other two, you know, they want to gang up against us. They want to come against us and have us to do what the flesh wants to do. Well, it's up to us to do something, and that's to crucify it. And where's the battlefield? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's the battlefield. It's the battlefield of the mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, that the pulling down of strongholds. Oh, I can say a whole lot about that. When people used to fly in airplanes thinking they had to go over a specific city to bring down strongholds. That's not talking about cities. That's talking about your here, between your ears. 
How do I know that? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is the battlefield. As long as you and I live on this earth, in this physical body, we are in a battle. And the battle is going to be won or lost between our ears. To win this battle requires us exalting the Word of God above the way we think, the world thinks, and the devil thinks. A lot of Christians don't even have a desire to get into the Word of God and find out what it actually says because, well, I'm not really not much of a reader. Look at Isaiah 55 and see what it says. I wasn't much of a reader either. But you know what? When I got on fire for God, when I heard those words from Scripture, it turned me on to what this book has to say because you know what? It wasn't a religious book to me anymore. It was a book of reality. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. How far is the sun from the earth? Not a trick question. 93 million miles away. And that's close compared to what he's really saying here. As the heavens are so far higher than the earth, my ways and my thoughts are that much higher than yours. And I have condensed and put it all, a lot of it right in here so that you could look into this book and find out exactly how I think and the way I think. And you can adapt your life to live the life that I want you to live by going to my word and finding out what I say is or isn't correct or right or the right way to live or not. Right. So that's why he gave us his book. How do I become strong in spirit? By finding out what God says. I've been born of the spirit. Now I've got to renew my mind, educate myself so I can cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How can I do that if I don't know the knowledge of God? I remember the time someone told me I was sitting next to him, witnessing to him. He patted me on the knee and just said, oh, you're a good guy. You're OK. You'll make heaven someday. Thank God I didn't believe that. You know why I didn't believe that? Because John 3, 3 said, except the man be born again, he will not enter my kingdom. And that's what I told him. I said, it has nothing to do with me. He had to change his way of thinking. I witnessed to his son and told his son the same thing. He said, I thought that God always just helped people to help themselves. Well, I said, where do you see that in the Bible? I don't know. I don't read the Bible. I figured that. And I told him, you want to make heaven? You've got to be born again. Don't allow the thought to come to you that I'm a pretty good person. I'll make heaven. Or I go to church three times a week. I'll make heaven. Someone says, I'm going to heaven. So I know I'm going to heaven because I say I'm going to heaven. And I said, no, John 3, 3 says you must be born again. Can we throw it up in case you don't know that? John 3, 3. Except the man be born. Jesus answered and said to him, notice the double verily. I say unto thee, except the man be what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And then there are those that say, well, 
I've been saved now. I've got all the Holy Spirit that there is. Well, look at Acts chapter 19, verse 2. You better rebuke that thought. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's Paul saying this. They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. Just because someone's saved doesn't mean they have all the Holy Ghost that there is. We've got to renew our minds and start thinking the thoughts of God. There has to be thought replacement. We'll see here in a second as we close. But then look at the next one. I don't need to attend church. COVID taught people that. Well, look at Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. By, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Did you get that? In other words, don't decrease in it, increase in it. Did you hear that? See, some are delusional by the devil. They'll deceive people into thinking that it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. Like I said, did you leave your ear home this morning? What about your arm? What about your foot? No. Anybody leave their liver home? No. Why? You need your whole body to work together and function together, right? Well, the church is a living organism of love. And we all need each other. And the head can say to the foot, I don't need you. You're deceived if you think you don't need someone else and someone else doesn't need you. See, we should come to church with the idea that I am here to be a blessing to somebody. I'm not here to receive. I'm here to give. I am here to impart something to somebody else. When you look at it that way, then you realize God needs me. The head can't say to me, I don't need you. Whether it's sending out a card, whether it's just greeting somebody and saying, hello, I've been thinking about you. I'm praying for you, whatever it might be. We need one another within the body of Christ to take our place and do our part. The eye can't say to the ear because I'm not an eye. I don't need you. No, we need each other. And that's what he was trying to strive for. Look at this next one. I don't need to forgive. I've had Christians say this. I'm not going to forgive. You better. Look at Mark 11, 25 and 26. We know 23 and 24 by heart. Well, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also in heaven may forgive your trespasses. If you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven by your Father. Who wants to know what that means? Who wants to find out what that looks like? Anybody here want to find out what it looks like not to be forgiven by the Father? No, then guess what? If you and I have been forgiven the 25 billion, oh, let's stop that, trillion daughter, a dollar debt that we all owed, right? We've been forgiven that 25 trillion dollar debt and someone wrongs me or someone hurts me and harms me and I refuse to forgive that person, you know what Jesus said? You'll be turned over to the oppressor. You'll be cast into prison until you pay your debt. You're not going to come out until you pay it. And guess what? You can't pay it. Thank God Jesus paid it for us. And so I'm going to give mercy to the other person. You see, Jonah couldn't understand this. What God was trying to say, look, there's a city of God, and there's a city of the world, and the devil. The city of God, yeah, there's blood been shed there by Jesus. The city of the world, you're a bloody people. In other words, you strive for whatever. You satisfy yourself. Live the way you want to live. You oppress other people. You're awful people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But God loves you, and God wants you to be a part of his family. Jonah, go tell them. It took what? 
being swallowed up by a great fish to get him to realize this truth. God wants everybody from every people group of the world to enter the kingdom. These last two, I'm throwing them out. You ready for them? Homosexuality is acceptable to God, is what the world says. It's what the world wants us to believe. Well, I got a scripture verse for them. Look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. This is the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. If a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Oh, I know that's Old Testament. Read, read Romans chapter 1. That's New Testament. He echoes the same truth. It's the same truth. It's unnatural. Does that mean God doesn't love them? Not at all. Don't miss the point. He loves them so much, he tries to help them understand what's going on. There's a warfare that you're in. That may not be my warfare, but it's somebody else's warfare. Yours might be drugs. It might be alcohol. It might be greed. It might be pride and arrogance. The list goes on and on. We all have something that we need to go to the, to, to the throne of God for to provide grace for us to overcome it. But the point is to be deceived enough into thinking that that's an acceptable lifestyle is to mean we don't love them enough to tell them they're going to be lost. And God wants to show them mercy. He wants them to repent. Look at the next one. God sanctions gay marriages. Mm. Well, let's see what the scriptures say. You can't have a strong spirit if you don't know the word of God. Now for the matters you wrote me about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. So Paul is saying to avoid fornication, Every man should have his own wife and every woman should have her own husband. You go back to the beginning and that's exactly how it was. So once again, to be strong in spirit is to be strong in faith, which is to be strong in the word and the power of his might. God's words are powerful words that transform human lives. And let's conclude with these because so many people war with these. When the enemy tells you you're nothing, when you look in a mirror and you say you're nothing and you're down on yourself and you're no good, which I've talked to people this week about that. Let me tell you something. God wants you to know something. You're his masterpiece. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, or chapter 2 and verse 10. You are his workmanship. Say with me, I am God's workmanship. I am his masterpiece. A work of outstanding quality, skill, and workmanship. That's who I am. You see, your, your soul doesn't grasp that. Your body doesn't grasp that. But you know what? It's a spiritual truth, whether we embrace it or not. And you know why we have to confess the word over and over again? Because if I don't confess it, it won't become a reality in me, and I won't be strong in it. I'll allow the devil just to browbeat me with guilt, condemnation, sin, consciousness, inferiority, etc., etc., None of this message is designed to put that on anybody in anybody's life, but to help us recognize what the enemy uses to bring us down so that we're not strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Okay, look at the next one. You're guilty. That verse is wrong there. Look, at it's verse 21, not 17. My fault. 
he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, thank God. I'm not guilty. You're not guilty. We're all cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. And it just hmm, gets my dander up when I hear someone say, like a preacher say, Oh, Lord, I'm so unworthy to come before you. How long is that going to go on? How long will people minimize the very works of Christ? He died to make you worthy. Amen. He shed his blood to make us righteous. He became sin to make us righteous. Say it with me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. How do you get more righteous than that? You can't. But I make mistakes. I know that. That's why he said if you confess your faults and sins, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And finally... You're condemned. Condemnation. You know, he knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knows we've missed the mark here, there, and everywhere. And so he points the mountain to try to tell us, you can't be strong in spirit if you allow these diseases of the spirit to continue to control your life. Romans chapter, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. There's therefore now... How much? No what? To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, because the flesh will tell you all kinds of things, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. No longer bound by it. No longer connected to it. Thank God who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Hallelujah. Are you glad you've been set free? Yes. Are you glad you're guilt free? Yes. Oh, there's no guilt, no sin, consciousness, no condemnation. Why? Because of Jesus. 